Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivory. I'm your host. Today, to immerse or not to immerse? There are a lot of occasions when Jews traditionally go to a mikvah. A mikvah, in case you don't know, that's a ritual bath. Orthodox women of childbearing age go regularly to the mikvah after their period so that they can go from a state of ritual impurity to ritual purity, which then allows them to resume sexual relations with their husbands. For some women, it's a beautiful and precious ritual. For others, it seems problematic in that it suggests that our body's natural processes render us impure. On today's podcast, we invite you to listen to one woman who's reckoning with the question of whether or not to immerse. Hannah Reese talks to women with a range of perspectives and arrives at her own understanding of this ritual. It's a gorgeous documentary. It comes to us from the radio program Earshot, courtesy of the Australian broadcasting company's Radio National. Everyone in it does have an incredibly charming Australian accent. Here's Hannah Reese. Her piece is called Immersion. When I first heard about the mikvah, it blew my mind. I just couldn't get over that it elevates the sexual act and makes it holy. And that there's three partners, that there's the husband and the wife, and then there's God. And that the bedroom is probably the holiest room in the whole house. And so I cried. I cried when I first went to the mikvah. I was in my 20s and about to commit to one person, which for me was amazing, and making sexuality holy and being surrounded by the water like a rebirth. It was magic. I'm very excited to do this. I'm starting to get nervous. It will be refreshing. It's going to be very refreshing. <laughs> okay, we have arrived. If you are wearing rings or watches, you should take them off. I have always been drawn to water. Swimming in natural bodies of water, especially fresh water, is quite literally my favourite thing to do. So it was no wonder that I found myself on a beach in Brighton in the middle of the night about to run into the water, completely naked, with a friend of mine. We were there to immerse ourselves in a mikvah. A mikvah is a Jewish ritual bath. Immersion takes you from a state of spiritual impurity to purity. Even though I love swimming, I've always been kind of weirded out when water appears in unexpected ways. Nothing unnerves me more than the sight of a drained swimming pool. With the water gone, the stains on the tiles, they just can't be ignored. The first time I saw a mikvah, I had the same uneasy feeling. I remember visiting during bat mitzvah class, and the mikvah, it's like a little indoor pool. Something about it just didn't feel right. But 15 years later, I was back at a mikvah, and I didn't quite know what I was in for. Okay, so this is where we start. The women come straight in here and then they go up the stairs. 
and they come in the evening. This is they Timmy Rubin, the mikveh lady of Melbourne. She runs the women-only Chaya Mushka Schneerson Mikveh in St Kilda. She's an Orthodox Jewish Lubavitcher woman who is prone to calling me darling. I'm mostly interested in immersion in the mikveh around menstruation, which renders a woman impure, as written in Leviticus 15.19. If a woman has had a discharge, her flesh discharging blood, she shall remain in her state of menstrual separation for seven days, and whoever touches her shall become unclean until evening. I wanted to understand what the mikveh really means for Orthodox Jewish women. When a woman gets her period, um, she becomes spiritually impure. And when husband and wife have relations and then she gets her period, she doesn't conceive. So it's the death of a potential life. And in Judaism, according to the Torah, even when there's a whisper of death, certain laws apply. What the mikveh is, it's a spiritual change of state. A woman goes in spiritually impure. Doesn't mean that she's dirty. God forbid it's got nothing to do with that. But when a woman has her period, she becomes spiritually impure. So it's a change of state. And a woman doesn't just jump into the mikveh. She has to do all sorts of preparations beforehand and has to be squeaky clean before she goes into a mikvah because it's not a physical cleanliness it's a spiritual cleanliness there can't be anything intervening between the woman and the holy waters of the mikvah natural bodies of water are the original mikvahot but a built mikvah has a strict set of requirements as set out in jewish law with two baths, one with 2,000 gallons of rainwater and the other with the same amount of tap water. The point where both pools touch is called a neshika, or kiss. Timmy gave me a tour of her mikveh. We started in the changing room. Before a woman enters the water, she must clean her body thoroughly. She puts on a modest robe and she comes into the, one of the rooms where there is a mikveh. And I then check her with the robe on, I always check their hands, their fingers. I check their faces and she goes down into the mikvah water. And I just have to check that she goes right under the water without touching anything and so that there's no hair above the water, that she has to be completely immersed. Then she comes up and then she recites the blessing. Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Blessed are you, God, our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with your commandments concerning immersion. And they come out and I help them put on the robe and then I touch their cheek. They have to be touched by a kosher woman. Well, Jewish woman, I hope I'm kosher. (laughs) And then I bless them. This is a tradition that has survived for thousands of years. My ancestors somehow found a way to immerse themselves when they were in the ghettos of World War II. There's even stories of women breaking through Siberian ice to bathe in secret. A Jewish community simply cannot function without a mikvah, and it's both spiritual and personal. It's a time that you have for yourself that you go inside yourself. 
and it's a secure place. You're surrounded by the water and it's a time to think and meditate and it's renewal. It's renewal that every month we have the possibility to start again, to start a whole new chapter in our lives. And we human beings can change. That's the beauty of being a human being. We're not just intellectual and we're not just emotional, but we're spiritual. And that all seems to connect in the mikvah. Talking with Timmy made me realise that this isn't just about the mikvah itself, the immersion, the bath, the building. But the practice of mikvah is actually part of this far larger practice of family purity, which is partly about separating from your partner while you menstruate and for the seven days after till you go to the mikvah. For the ultra-Orthodox, this separation involves complete withholding of all physical intimacy between a husband and wife. But spending half a month not touching your partner seems awful to me. So I spoke with Rebecca, a married and observant Jewish woman who practices mikvah, to try to understand what keeps her doing it in 2015. Why am I pro-mikvah? I think on a personal note... I tend to definitely overcomplicate my life and my schedule and book a hundred things in. And rarely do I have like an hour where I turn my phone off and do nothing. And it's an opportunity to literally check in. It's like your own psychology session with yourself in a bath with white walls and just kind of think. You never really look at yourself and say, am I changing? What do I want? What do I want out of this month? Do I want to have kids? Is this time right for me? And then I guess once you've had that time to just check in with yourself, you know, you go home and reconnect with your partner who you love and, you know, you've really wanted this for, you know, a week, two weeks, however long it takes for you to get through the checks and just, then you come to the table with like, you know, come to the bed with, I guess, your own view of what you want at this time. And I think it's really important. And I never really saw it as that. But now after doing it for three and a half years, I kind of look forward to it. I respect Timmy and Rebecca for their practice, but I couldn't help feeling a little unsure as a feminist about mikvah and family purity. Though many things can render a Jewish person, both male and female, impure or nidah. Quite a few of the women I spoke to visited the mikvah, but their husbands didn't. The ramifications for having sex with a woman while nidah are significant for a man, but the onus is on the woman to ensure that this doesn't occur. I couldn't help seeing this practice on a continuum of cultural traditions from around the world that shame women's bodies and that treat menstruation as wrong and disgusting. I told Timmy my concerns, and she disagreed. Criticism of the mikvah is based in ignorance because blood is beautiful and we need that blood and the menstruation to be healthy women to be able to give birth. There's, there's nothing to be ashamed of, nothing at all, nothing at all. It just is a fact and it's written that it renders us impure, but there's nothing wrong with being spiritually impure. It, we just need to be spiritually pure um, to be able to make love and to then procreate. 
But I feel for me personally that encouraging women to ritually bathe afterwards, even if it's just to change their spiritual state, doesn't really send that message. If blood is beautiful, why is there a period of separation between a husband and wife during menstruation? I'd spoken with Timmy and Rebecca, but I wanted to understand how other observant women, women who identify as feminists, approach mikvah, which led me to Alex Fine. I am a formerly reluctant religious Jew, and now I actually, most of the time, quite happily embrace orthodox religiosity. So the mikvah was never something I considered as anything other than a relic until I met my rabbi husband. And when I first heard that mikvah would have to become part of my life, I was initially horrified. Alex now practices mikvah out of love and respect for her husband. But she recognises this is where her life as an orthodox woman and as a feminist splinters. I think to be firstly a human being at all is to live with contradiction and specifically to be an orthodox Jew in a developed liberal democracy is going to throw up even more contradictions. And while I don't want to explain it away, I've managed to incorporate mikvah into my life as something that's actually very positive and affirming. And what's really interesting about this sort of uh, suite of contradictions is that I can look back on my life prior to having met my husband. And before that, there was absolutely no restriction whatsoever on my feminist practice, but I still engaged in things that were problematic. I would get rid of the hair on my legs, for example. There are other myriad oppressions that I would participate in. And having these conscious participations, it's really interesting because it binds me to my religion. It reminds me that my religion comes from a place and a time that held women in a particular status. And I like to be reminded of the authentic origins of where I come from and where my ancestors come from. We do all live with contradictions. I'm a member of the Greens Party and care deeply about the environment, but I still drive a car and eat animals. Alex's life is just complex, I guess. Even though you can't take mikvah out of its historical context, you can take it out of the oppression narrative now. It can be performed by people who stake out their space in public, who live a feminist life, whereas other oppressions you can't separate out. While Alex has learned to live with contradiction, Dalit Kaplan has found a different way to take mikvah out of the oppression narrative. When she moved in with her observant boyfriend, mikvah came up. Around then I'd been moving in these sort of feminist Jewish like quite religious but feminist circles where there's a movement to reclaim mikvah. And I had learnt with one of the first female-ordained rabbis in the Orthodox world in in, uh, Jerusalem. And she had told me about her practice where she and her husband together around her cycle go to a hot spring near where they live every month. And it's sort of a date and it's bonding and she felt that it was consistent with her feminism. 
So that's what Dalit and her husband started to do. Hot springs, beaches, rivers and lakes. These all qualify as mikvaot, just as much as the mikvah run by Timmy Rubin does. Dalit isn't opposed to conventional mikvaot, just the conventional practices around family purity and menstruation. Mikvah is an ancient practice which has had different meanings in different times and different contexts. But the idea is after a woman menstruates or after a woman has an emission, also after a man has an emission, they become impure. But it tends to focus around women because it's women who have emissions monthly. It compounded the existing sexism and patriarchy and misogyny that saw women's bodies as dirty and impure and it conformed to ideas of female inferiority. And the idea was that if you immerse yourself then you become clean and you can re-enter the society. But, yeah, as a feminist, it's, it's problematic. But when I started to learn about mikvah, not only were there women who were reclaiming it and saying, well, no, we'll adopt it because it's important to our husbands, but we'll do it with a twist, it actually became a location of a lot of feminist discourse. And there's some really revolutionary things going on now around mikvah in learned, open, progressive Jewish circles. Mikvah is the feminist issue right now. And it's because it's, it puts the spotlight on many other issues to do with transgenderism, sexuality, violence against women, fertility. And so I think that the space in using mikvah for other transitions, like maybe you've broken up with somebody, maybe you've left an abusive relationship, maybe you're trying to have a child on your own and maybe you had a miscarriage, maybe you have just gone through an operation maybe you've you've just had breast cancer maybe after every chemo session you want to go to the mikvah we go through transitions all the time and a ritual way of marking that can be very powerful dalit urged me to speak with melanie landau the first woman in the southern hemisphere to be ordained as an orthodox rabbi or rabbi she was an academic at monash university for nearly a decade but now lives in jerusalem this year i founded a yeshiva called Yeshivat Kolisha, meaning a kind of learning institution of women's voice. And we're bringing together about 15 women and we're learning the traditional sources around menstruation and sexuality. And it's an explicitly feminist post-denominational space because we're coming to the texts in an explicitly feminist way. What we're doing is this movement from being sort of object to subject Melanie practices mikvah in both the traditional and non-traditional sense. She often immerses, like Dalit, in natural bodies of water. She is a big believer in reclaiming the practice, given the right circumstances. But I think it's like everything. When we come from a place of sort of empowerment and personal strength, then everything can be transformed. And when we come from a place of kind of like victimhood, then we become subject to everything. Like Dalit, Melanie sees the possibilities of mikvah to mark transitions and difference. But she also sees an opportunity for immersion and family purity to empower Jewish women. There's a way in which also having a time of not being allowed to have relations is an interruption to what might be seen as the sort of continuous male right to a woman's sexuality in marriage. And so there's something like this that interrupts it. Melanie took issue with my framing of the practice around impurity and helped me see mikvah in a different light, as a way for Orthodox women to call the shots in the bedroom. 
I actually don't see it as impurity. I just got to see it as it's like moving myself to a state of being able to have sexual relations. So, I mean, in that way, we could say this is like a acknowledgement of women's desire because if we like want to have relations, we go to the mikvah and it's a way to embrace our sexuality. And that's exactly what my friend Leah did as a young Orthodox woman. She saw mikvah as an opportunity. When young Orthodox Jews explore their sexuality, it's always in the context of, well, everyone's Anita. Everyone hasn't been to mikvah following their period, which marks them as someone with whom you can't have sex. Or someone who can't have sex. And I, at 19, had just commenced a, a relationship with someone who wasn't religious and um, was hitting up at the edges of, in my own psyche, of what I was comfortable doing as an Anita and what I wasn't comfortable doing as an Anita. And we'd had a few weeks apart, I'd been overseas, I'd had time to think it over. What I realised was the only thing that was making me uncomfortable was Nita, it wasn't anything else. So to me, the solution was simple, it was stop being a Nita. So how do you stop being a Nida? Well, you go to a mikvah. But Leah didn't feel comfortable going to a mikvah unmarried. So instead, she turned to a natural mikvah. How I first did mikvah was in the summer of 2009 and it was me skinny dipping in the dead of the night and jumping into the ocean and saying a blessing and jumping back out again. It was very primal and and exciting. I'd get naked and walk into the ocean and walk out and have sex. Instead of Leah feeling oppressed by halakha or Jewish law, she found a way to interpret it anew. To understand halakha is to be able to make decisions within it, is to free yourself from the possibility of an old man telling you that he knows what God's will is and you don't. I'd recommend it to anyone who is religious and who is struggling to reconcile a beautiful, burgeoning sexual relationship with any shame that mikvah attaches to that relationship. I think I'm now sold on these open-air natural mikvah Or maybe it's my old love of swimming in natural bodies of water. I'm not married, and I don't think menstruating makes me impure or nidah. But the thought of stripping naked and getting into the ocean, spending a moment with my own body in the natural world that surrounds it, sounds pretty good. So I asked Leah to take me. That's why we headed out to Brighton Beach on that cold night in October. If you'd like to follow me over the rocks, there is some sand on the other side. All right, let's do it. Let's get naked. <laughs> oh, it's really not that bad. Should I do it? Yeah. I have to do three times. Or I can do it once. You can do it once. Yeah, you can do it once. Okay. <sighs> Alright. I'm doing it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that was... That was nice. <laughs> I feel refreshed. <laughs> I feel refreshed. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Skinny dipping is amazing. 
So, that was me, dunking naked, with Leah, my friend and beach mikvah expert. I didn't say a blessing, but I did feel kind of blessed to be there with my friend, for both of us to be so comfortable with our bodies, to just strip off, wade in, and laugh. I would do it again. Even though I wasn't there to purify myself, I still immersed fully, with nothing between me and the water. And there wasn't much left hidden between Leah and I either. Strangely enough, Dalit had a similar experience. So I decided to go at Bronte Beach. I went into the water and it was like Monday morning or something. So there was nobody else there except for one woman who was swimming on her own. And I swam up to her and I said, look, I know this is really weird, but I'm Jewish and there's a particular ritual where you go into the water on your own. Do you mind if I take off my bathers and can you hold them for me while I dunk three times? And she was like, yeah, sure. And then afterwards I said, so do you come swimming here often? She says, I come every morning. I'm currently taking a break. And she came out with this story about how she just lost a dear friend to cancer for whom she'd been caring for the last few years. And she was grieving and they had gone to the beach for a walk every day. And after the friend died, she started to go swimming every day as a way to mark their memory. In a way, I feel like when you engage in strange rituals and strange contexts, you sort of can open yourself to the universe. Maybe I opened myself to her and she felt comfortable to open herself up to me because I was saying, I'm doing this strange thing and I need your help in it. We ended up having this really lovely conversation about loss and grief for a good half an hour in the water. And at a certain point, I did put my bathers back on. I didn't talk for half an hour naked. I'm still not sure how I feel about the practice, and at times I felt lost down the rabbit hole of Jewish law and belief. But I do respect the myriad ways women are navigating the sometimes murky waters of this tradition. I had connected with Leah. Dalit had had this amazing moment with a stranger in a beach in Bronte, and almost every woman I spoke with brought up how much they love spending time with Timmy Rubin at her mikvah. Maybe it's because, as Timmy puts it, It's us women who actually make a prayer when we're naked. It's only us because our relationship with God is just so intense and so personal. It's us that is spiritually higher, actually, than men. I don't believe in God, but I do believe in women. And perhaps that's where the future for mikvah, for a secular woman like me, lies as a space to celebrate the bodies that we are lucky to have with all the changes that can occur to them over a lifetime, but also as a place where you can spend a moment, just one moment, connecting with another woman. Timmy described her first mikvah as magic, and I think I kind of got a taste of it, but a different kind of magic. You look like a natural.
That was Immersion, produced by Hannah Reich for the show Earshot, which airs on Radio National in Australia. Big thanks this week to Alyssa Goldstein, our amazing and talented Director of Audience Development here at Tablet. She herself hails from Melbourne and introduced us to this piece. Ladies, question for you. Do you immerse in the mikvah? And if you do, do you think of yourselves as impure when you have your period? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. It's a rather fascinating and large one. Email us at podcast at tabletmag.com. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm Sarah Ivry. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time.